Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus, and transform Hoxton. Beautifully. And um, good morning again, everybody. Welcome, uh, if you've joined us since the start of the service. My name's Graham, and it's really good to be here together. It's an all-age worship service. And, and actually, in all-age worship, you know, sometimes we say all-age worship, and we think, oh, it's just for the kids. Maybe I'll skip that service, because, you know, it's going to have all those embarrassing action songs uh, that nobody really wants to join in with. Um, or, or maybe you think, oh, it's not really all age because it doesn't actually communicate across the range of people. And, and I want to try and work out who my talk is for today. And uh, I was trying to make sure it was for everybody. So could you just put your hands up if you are a parent? Wow. Okay, there's a lot of you here. Great. Put your hands down. Put your hands up if you are a child. Fantastic, okay, quite a lot. Yeah, John put his hand up, which is very honest and true. Um, Can you put your hands up if you have ever been a child, if you were once a child? Maybe you still are, some of you are honest. Can you put your hand up if you have ever had parents? I think that covers it all. I think that's all of us, one way or another. So today, we're continuing a little sermon series, a little series of talks, looking at the words and the works of Jesus and thinking about what Jesus says to us about human life, about following God, about following Jesus, and and how we can live and experience life in all its fullness. And today, we're thinking a bit about Jesus and families. Now, it is all-age worship, and so I've got a few things for us to think about, and I'd love it if you are a child and you're happy to sit cross-legged here on the rug. Um, do you want to come down and join me? Because I've got a few things I want to talk with you about. Uh, go for it. Don't, don't be shy. Um, any adults here who think of yourself as a child and want to come and sit cross-legged on the colourful rug, you are really, really welcome. Um, here we go. Let's, uh, can you hold that? Hold that for me. There you go. Can you hold that for me? Fantastic. Excellent. Good. You just take that. Good. Here you go, Eddie. Wonderful. Phoebe. There you are. Juliet, you can have one as well. Good. There we go. Hi. Fantastic. Good. Right. Uh, So, uh, for those of you who can't see what I'm doing down at the front here with some of the uh, kids and adults, we've just handed out a few cards, and I wonder if uh, a few of you could look at the card and shout out what it says on it. Danette, why don't you go first? Miss Bacon, the butcher's daughter. Miss Bacon, the butcher's daughter. Great. What about you? Mr. Green, the grocer. The grocer. Um, Mrs. Butcher's wife. Brilliant. Good. Let's come over this side. And what have you got? Mrs. Soul, the fisherman's wife. Great. Do you know who you got? Um, Mrs. Mrs. Green. Fantastic. What have you got, Phoebe? We've got Mrs. Constable, the policeman's wife. Great. Thank you, Juliet. What do you have? I have Mr. Constable, the policeman. Hey. There we are, policeman's wife and policeman just there. Oh, let's come over here. If you, what have you got, Sydney? Miss Constable, the policeman's daughter. Oh, look, it's all go here. We've got the constables together. So um, some of you will know this game. This is one of our favourite card games in our house, in our family. And it's a game called Happy Families. Can you put your hand up all across the congregation if you've ever played Happy Families? 
Yes, so not everybody. Um, Happy Families, the premise of the game is that you have all these different cards and... um, and, you have to, and they get dealed out between the different players, and then they have to guess what cards they have and ask and try and gather the cards until you get a set of four, and you make a happy family. So this one I'm holding in my hands. Look, it has a blue background. I hope you can all see this. And this is the Bud family. They are the florists. And look, there is Mr. Bud the florist, Mrs. Bud the florist's wife, Master Bud the florist's son, and Miss Bud the florist's daughter. Now, let me tell you, when we play this game in our house, it doesn't always make for a very happy family. Because in our house, we have mastered the art of the bluff. Uh, And so people will ask for things that they already have in their hand, in their set of cards, to throw other people, other players, off the scent and to confuse. Uh, It's quite, uh, it gets quite competitive, doesn't it, Hannah? It's quite competitive. Boys, yeah, it's, it's, it's not always happy. Sometimes it gets a bit irate and a bit frustrating. But you know, quite aside from the fact that it's not always a very happy game for us to play, I'm not sure that this really gives us an idea of what a happy family actually is. Does this look like many families you know? It doesn't really look like many families that I know. It doesn't look like my family. So, you know, this game, it's fun but I'm not sure it really helps us understand about families. Um, Should we collect these cards in? Thanks. Brilliant. Because, you know, I would be in serious trouble if we ever lost one of these cards. You can imagine the fights. Here we go. Let's get to Mr. Constable. So I wonder what kind of families... if, If happy families doesn't really give us a very good picture of what a family is, and it doesn't tell us very much about the families we know and recognize. I wonder what kind of families you guys know. What, do you, what sort of families can you think of? Anyone can think about uh, other words, other, other things we might describe in a family. Adults, you can join in as well. Put up your hand if you've got an idea. Sydney, do you have an idea? Yes. Go on then. Um, Yeah, you have noisy families and you have quiet families, people with different temperaments and things, don't you? Yeah. What about, uh, what about I'm an only child? What about if, um, you know, maybe I could have had uh, stepbrothers or sisters if my mum had remarried and had other children? Maybe they could have, anyone think of any other kinds of ways we might make up a family? Yeah, Pacetti, shout it out for me. Through adoption, that's right. So adopted families, where people are adopted into a family, children who get chosen to be loved in a family, in a home. What else? Elaine. Foster. Yeah, fostering. And we know in our church, lots of people have been involved in fostering and giving foster care. Others. Let's have some other ideas. Morag. You're going to have to shout that a bit louder for me. Pets, pets, the, beyond the human species, families with animals. I know, uh, know Morag's two dogs are very much part of her family. Uh, what about other ones? Blended families, half-brothers, half-sisters, step-brothers, step-sisters. How about extended families, uncles and aunties and grannies and granddads? Put your hand up if you spend a lot of time with your aunties and uncles. I don't, I'm putting my hand down. But some of you do, don't you? Do you spend time with aunties and uncles? Yeah, good. So... I wonder what Jesus thinks the perfect Christian family looks like. I wonder if it's like this cartoon character. 
Do you know uh, The Simpsons? That's Ned Flanders and his, I mean, Ned Flanders and his wife and his son and his daughter do look a bit like they could have been in this card game in Happy Families. Uh, I wonder if they are the model of the perfect Christian family. Or maybe we have other images in our minds like, like, like the traditional nuclear family, mum, dad, two kids, maybe that one or maybe the next one. But in reality, I think that most families we experience look a bit more like the next one. Blended, different ages, different colours, women, men, children, old, young, all together. And in fact, look, our church family uh, looks a bit like this, doesn't it? There's all of us at Focus a few years ago when we were allowed to go away and, uh, and be together. And, uh, and then let's leave it on this final one there. There we go. That's uh, a little assortment of people in our church family. I wonder how you would define family. What do you think family means? Can anyone give me a definition or an idea of what family means? Family, family means like, like if you didn't have nobody to look after you, you have your parents or your auntie. Brilliant. So people to look after you. Other ideas of family? Sydney, do you want to go? Well, my idea is when you have parents, your family loves you and it means that everyone else can be helped. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, so parents who love you and people who give you help. Any other ideas about family? Let's do a quick straw poll. Do you think that your family are just your blood relatives? No. Hands up if you do. Hands up then if you think that your family could be beyond your blood relatives. I absolutely do, because I have a stepmother who I've known since I was born, who's known me all my life. And we're not biologically related. There's no biological DNA there linking us as family. But she's absolutely my mum. She's absolutely part of my family. So for some people, family simply means mum, dad, some children, and perhaps at a stretch, grandparents, uncles, aunties, and cousins. But that's it. For other people, family means almost anyone who is part of your everyday community. Almost anyone who is part of uh, the, the little network of people that you interact with day to day, sharing life together. You know that old expression, it takes a village to raise a child? It's like that, isn't it? Belonging to a wider community. Let's be honest as well, some of us have really great experiences of family. We've had really good loving parents, loving siblings, really good relationships. But others have had terrible experiences of family. Some of us have a lot of pain when we think about family. Whichever is the case, none of us will have had the same experience of family. Which is why it's so important that we talk about our ideas about family and we don't make any assumptions about family life. So I want you just to think for a moment. This is a reflective moment. Just think about what do you love about your family, however you define that, and what has been difficult or painful about your family. We're not going to share this, so you can just think for yourself. What has been good? What has been difficult or painful? Now, what I'm really interested in today is how Jesus defines family. And uh, Ede gave a beautiful reading from...
from the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus said something that gives us an idea about what Jesus thinks family is. Do you remember it? Did you hear the bit where he said, see, these people are my mother and my brothers. My true brothers and sisters and mother are those who do the things that my Father in heaven wants. What was going on at the time? Well, Jesus was in a synagogue. He was where the Jews were gathering to read their their scriptures and to pray. And he was talking with people. And Jesus had begun to get a bit of a following. He was getting a reputation. People were coming to see him and to hear him and to listen to him and to find out what Jesus thought about how we should live. And perhaps because he was getting a bit of a following, he was becoming a bit of a a celebrity, a bit famous. But he was saying some things that were a bit controversial and some things that people didn't like to hear. And so what happened was that his mum, Mary, you remember Mary, we, we, uh, we, we remember Mary, especially at Christmas, don't we, when we think about the birth of Jesus. Mary and her other children, Jesus' brothers and sisters, had gotten a bit embarrassed and they wanted to get Jesus out of the synagogue and hush him up, tell him to stop making such a scene, stop attracting so many people. And so they went, his biological family, the mother who bore him and gave birth to him, his brothers and sisters, they went and they, they tried to get him out. And someone came in and they said to Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want you to stop making a, a scene and they want you to come out. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brothers? These people, indicating to all the people around him, the people who are listening to God's word and who want to obey it, the people who want to follow our Father in heaven. These, he said, are my brothers and sisters and mother. So Jesus says that family is not actually about your biology. It's not about the DNA that you share. It's about your relationship to God our Father in heaven. And the Bible has a lot to say about God the Father. Psalm 68 says that God the Father is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. That's who God is in his holy dwelling. It then continues and says, God sets the lonely in families. In other words, God always has a care and a concern for those people who feel alone, who maybe their parents have died and they're bereaved, or maybe their spouse, their partner has died or left and they're feeling alone and lonely. God can make family out of anybody. He doesn't need our biology or our DNA. There's an old expression, you might have heard it, sometimes people say blood's thicker than water. Have you heard that expression? Put your hand up if you've heard that expression. Oh yeah, blood's thicker than water, isn't it? And, And that's an expression which I think means you should always care for your biological family first. That's more important. But you know, I think that for Christians, water is thicker than blood. The water of baptism is thicker than the blood ties of our families. Because in baptism, we are adopted by God's grace into a new kind of family. A family that is made family simply by our relationship to God, our Father. Have a look, guys, over at these windows with me. Can you see there's a picture there? Uh, What's going on in that picture? Can anyone see? What do you think? They're pouring water. Yes, someone is pouring water on somebody else's head. Do you know who's having water poured on their head? Jesus. That's right, Elysia. Well done, it's Jesus. And does anyone know who is doing the pouring? God. Do you know, it sort of is in a way, because that's where the blessing comes from. But there's another man there, isn't there? There's another man. Does anyone know his name? It's Jesus having his water poured. Do you remember it, Hannah? 
John the Baptist, that's right. So the picture, so our church is dedicated to the memory of John the Baptist and we have a window there which shows Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist and there's a dove and, and, it said, and the Bible says when Jesus was baptized that the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove upon him. So God came to bless Jesus uh, with his presence and to give him a special call and vocation. And that, uh, that's a symbol of baptism. And that's behind the font because it reminds us that baptism is how we come into God's family. Have a look at the next window. Turn around a little bit. Can you see the next window? Who's in the middle of the window? Somebody tell me. Who is it? You might, you might want to describe it to a friend if you can see. So Jesus is in the middle and all around him. Somebody describe what you can see uh, if you can see that window. Just describe who you can see around him. Kids. kids, that's right. There are kids sitting or standing near Jesus. And do they all look the same? No, they don't all look the same, do they? They're from every different nation, every different part of the world. Adults, if you're looking over at that window as well, uh, you might have mixed feelings about it. Perhaps you might think it looks a little bit trite, cliched, or stereotypical. And uh, I think you're probably right, it does. Um, but do you know, back when that window was made and put in this church, it was a time where this neighborhood was notorious for racism and fear of people from different parts of the world. And when that window was put in, it was a sign that this church said Jesus welcomes people from every part of the world. Irrespective of their skin color, uh, their background, their age, he welcomes children of all nations. So I'm quite proud, actually, that even though that window's a little bit dated in its, in its presentation, I'm quite proud that we're part of a church that said we're going to welcome everybody because God welcomes everybody. So baptism... The waters of baptism are thicker than blood. We become brothers and sisters by grace, by our adoption into God's family. Most of us here in this room are not biological family. Some of you are. Some of you are biological family with one another, but most of us aren't. We are brothers and sisters by grace, by adoption into God's family. Being family together is defined by obedience to God. So I want to finish just by thinking about a few aspects of what it means to belong to a church family and uh, what, what the benefits of belonging to a church family can be. Belonging to a church family means we belong to a faithful family, a family that is full of faith. It's other people who believe in Jesus Christ, who put their trust in the ways of God. It's full of faith. And faithful also means it sticks with you over time. And in fact, God's family has been sticking together over hundreds, even thousands of years. So it's faithful. You can't ever escape it. It's worldwide. You can travel anywhere in the world and you can walk into a church and you can tell people, I follow Jesus Christ and we are brothers and sisters in Christ by his grace. I think that belonging to a church family can be, can be, it isn't always, but it can be an antidote to loneliness. We know that many people in the world, especially in our city, struggle with loneliness. They go to work alone. Maybe they don't talk with many people or maybe they're working from home. And they don't see people. They come home. Maybe they share a house with people. Maybe they live alone and they watch Netflix. Or maybe they order some delivery, but they don't eat meals with one another. They don't see one another. Lots and lots of people in our city are struggling with loneliness. 
And the world around us says that the best antidote to loneliness is to find a romantic partner that you can couple up with and create a household with. That's sort of the message of the world around us, isn't it? It says, you know, and, and, and the message of the world says, whoever that is, it might be a traditional family coupling, it might be a non-traditional family coupling, but whoever it is, just find somebody to make a romantic attachment with, and that will overcome your loneliness. Let me tell you, that is not necessarily true. Of course, companionship can be really, really wonderful and a wonderful blessing. But many people over the years have discovered that just because you are married or living in a household together doesn't mean that you're, you're not lonely as well. The church can be and should be a place where we overcome loneliness through our friendship, through our family. One of my teachers wrote uh, that the church should create, that we should be aiming to create radically biblical and inclusive church communities where everyone who comes will truly find a hundred brothers and sisters and mothers. I love that. A vision of the church where everyone who comes finds a hundred brothers and sisters and mothers. I told you earlier on, I'm an only child. I don't have any biological brothers and sisters, but I have an amazing family. I have brothers and sisters in my church family here in Hoxton and across the world. Another benefit of living in church family is sharing life together and sharing what we have together and living life together. Some of us have the pain of being childless or parentless. Your parents have died and you're bereft, you're grieving, or you hoped to have children and you've never been able to. But God can make us parents and children to one another. And in the church, we can all be involved in parenting one another and being siblings to one another. Lest you think I'm painting too rosy a picture of the church, I know that it's not faultless. I know that church family life can be difficult because like any family, it's a family growing up together. Andrew has this phrase he shared with us recently, we want to grow up before we grow old. And family is often the place where you learn to grow up. It's a place in which we see each other's faults, but we learn to live with them, forgive them, or perhaps sometimes challenge them gently and help them to be transformed or changed. And it's a place where our own faults are exposed, but still we have people around us who care for us and want us to grow. I sometimes say that you you cannot grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You cannot uh, learn what it means to follow the way of Jesus Christ unless you are doing life together with some people who irritate you and get on your nerves. Because it's only when you're exposed to people who are not like you that you learn to cherish the image of God in that other person and you learn patience and forgiveness. If you think that somehow you can be a better Christian by isolating yourself from the church, you think, well, actually, I can be a a, a more holy Christian simply by staying at home and watching God TV and listening to podcasts and reading the Bible app by myself. Well, let me tell you, it won't work. It won't make you a more holy Christian. It will make you a more impatient and intolerant Christian. We learn how to love brothers and sisters by doing it together for being forbearing with one another, being exposed to one another's faults and uh, irritating one another and forgiving one another, living together, forgiving and being changed. Being part of a church family is something that we need to invest in. We need to communicate, tell each other what's going on. Because church 
as God conceives it, is not just a social club or a leisure interest. It's our whole way of life. It's the very nature of our being. And again, I, I don't know whether you've thought about it that way. Perhaps you think that coming to church on a Sunday morning is a little bit like going to the golf club on Saturday afternoon if you play golf or you know, going to the hairdresser or the barber and chatting with your friends. Maybe it's just a place for socializing and, and leisure. And, and if this church isn't meeting your needs, just choose a different one. Just like if the barber you go to changes and you don't like it, you go and find another barber. That's not what church is designed to be. It's designed to be a family. And so if you're bereaved, if you're ill, if you're traveling, if you're struggling at work, tell your church family. Share that burden. Tell your connect group. Drop me an email. Speak to somebody on the ministry team. Because we care for one another. And, and everything in our world will drive us towards atomization and fragmentation. That means everything in our world will make us want to just do our own thing, be master and commander of our own destiny. We don't need to tell anybody else. It's none of their business anyway. What I do is my business and nobody else's. If I'm traveling for five months, well, nobody cares, nobody will notice, nobody needs to know. But we do notice and we do care. So let's communicate with one another. That's why I encourage so many people to join connect groups or prayer triplets or to be part of a ministry team because then you can really know a group of six, eight, 12 people and, and get care. So look, let's conclude. God has chosen relationships between humans to be the way in which he helps us grow and the way in which he shows his love for the world. Jesus says, by this will the world know that you are my disciples, my followers, my friends, that you love one another. And what does loving one another mean? It means sticking close together, speaking, communicating, forgiving one another when we hurt one another, being forbearing, being patient, being kind, having fun, experiencing joy together, sharing life together. Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? Those who listen to what God our Father tells us and, and, we, and we do it, put it into action. These are my mothers and brothers and sisters. It's a really exciting vision, I believe, of family life, church family life, family together in God, in Christ. And one of the things that we can do to remind ourselves that we are a family and that we have this faith in common is to confess our faith. And uh, what we're going to do now is we're all going to stand, if you're able to, and we're going to say together uh, the words of a little family creed. And this is a reminder of the God in heaven that we follow. The words will come up on the screen. It's the All Age Worship Creed. They're not very big, I'm afraid, but uh, I hope you can read that. So let's read these words out, remembering that we're part of God's family, and this is the faith that unites and binds us. We say together, we believe in God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We believe in God the Son, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with his love. We believe in God the Holy Spirit, who strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.